Hello, everybody, and welcome to the currently name-pending Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by Dimes. I am your host, Carter, and I'm extremely excited about bringing the first episode of our NBA Fantasy Offseason Preview to you, our lovely, plentiful listeners. First things first, what kind of fantasy basketball are we going to be talking about? Well, what I've done in the past, in my fantasy basketball life, it started many years ago when I was in high school, about 10-ish. And I've been with the core group of guys and gals since then to now, when we started in just a basic points league, Vince Carter was selected in our first draft. So that's how long ago that was. We had Carmelo Anthony being extremely high. Josh Smith, I think, was in the teens. So just a basic ESPN points league. And we enjoyed that league. But then we began to shift to categories. And that is my fantasy basketball of choice. I think it creates more trades. And I think it overall is a more interesting way to play fantasy basketball. Points works really well for football. But for basketball, I like the categories because now... Chris Paul, for example, can remain fantasy valuable with his 10 assists for years and years and years. Now, maybe that's going to begin to dip, but we're going to get into that. That being said, fantasy categories is going to be the main language this pod speaks, but we're bi and trilingual here. So we will also be talking about general points leagues as well as the sleeper fantasy apps way of doing fantasy basketball, which I'm trying for the first time this year. I'm think I'm really excited about it. I'm interesting to see how it plays out for the full season. If you haven't checked it out, sleepers fantasy basketball works where you select one game a week for each player to play. So though, let's say you have Jokic, he's going to play four games Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, let's say. You can you pick just one of those four games to count. Now, you can change that up until the game that you've selected starts. So if you pick Thursday, you know, he plays Monday and Tuesday, and you're like, oh, man, I think he might rest Thursday. Let me switch that to Saturday. You can do that up until that Thursday game starts. This eliminates all the variants of oh man i my best player is only playing two games this week there's no way i'm gonna beat my opponent so you just pick the best game that you think that player is gonna have before it happens really interesting i'm excited to try it out that league is also dynasty that i'm participating in so we'll also dabble in dynasty as well what this pod is gonna be about fantasy basketball in general and what this specific pod is going to be about are the top five fallers and the top five risers of the NBA offseason. So ESPN has not put out a list of rankings for the 2022-2023 season, but this wonderful site, Shout Out Fantasy Pros, has. They have some players way too high, some players way too low. What a fall and a rise, in my mind, consists of is if they drop 10 spots. So essentially a full round difference in this player's value based on 
what Fantasy Pros has ranked them. So I'm going to tell you, give you the inside scoop of who I think is going to fall and who's going to rise in the rankings this year. And I'll do that right after this break. Let's get into it, folks. So we're starting with the fallers, the top five players who will fall the most from their projected preseason rankings. And number one, I was stunned by this. I had this player on my fantasy team last year, and it's Anthony Davis. Here are some stats for you, some pretty interesting ones. 2020 season, Anthony Davis played 36 games. 2021 season, Anthony Davis played 40 games. You can't be the 11th best fantasy basketball player, like Fantasy Pros is suggesting, and only play less than half your games. That can't possibly happen. So the stigma that Anthony Davis had before coming to the Lakers was that he was extremely injured, that he was injury prone. He played more than 60 games the first six years of his NBA career. The last year on the Pelicans, when he was basically sitting out slash faking an injury, he played 56. The shortened season uh, in the bubble, he played 62. But these last two seasons, that stigma became true. 36 games and 40 games. You can't be a top 12 fantasy basketball player with that kind of production. And if Russell Westbrook remains on the team, and that seems pretty likely at this point, if the Pacers are not budging in the in their potential Buddy Heald and Miles Turner trade for Russell Westbrook and multiple picks, the Lakers don't want to give up those picks. The Pacers wouldn't do that without the picks because the Russell Westbrook is not an asset in their mind. The asset is the unprotected picks by the Lakers. But Anthony Davis has never been a great fantasy basketball fit with LeBron James. And until he says, I'm going to be a full-time center, this, his, the weight that he's carrying does not help him at all. He was one of the worst mid-range shooters in the league last year when he did play. His defensive stats have decreased. Last year, he only had 1.2 steals and 2.3 blocks. Now, that is pretty good, but not when he's shooting 53% from the field. That's a good player, but that's not the 11th best player in the league. He's probably going to be low 20s, maybe early 30s if he plays. And his injury history has proven that he's not going to, and the players the Lakers have added are not conducive to Anthony Davis being extremely successful. Now with the LeBron James extension looming over the Lakers, a first-time head coach in Darvin Ham. Go Texas Tech. Shout out Darvin Ham. But there's just too many problems for Anthony Davis to be 11. That's crazy. That ranking is crazy. He will definitely fall. He will not be in the teens. That's a lock. Number two, this man is very old. His team has also had some off-season turmoil. It is Mr. Chris Paul. He's ranked at number 29 on the Fantasy Pros rankings. 
And here are just four point guard or ball dominant players ranked below him that I would easily, without a doubt, not even thinking for one second, take above him. Darius Garland, Tyrese Halliburton, CJ McCollum, and Cade Cunningham. If I could take four guys at your position above you, then you're dropping certainly Chris Paul at the tw- at the 29th pick in a fantasy draft would be such a stretch. Devin Booker, year over year, takes more responsibility for ball handling. Their team is still stacked. They have DeAndre Ayton. Is DeAndre Ayton going to be putting up lobs for Chris Paul? Is he going to run to the rim as hard anymore? They clearly are not compatible. They cannot trade DeAndre Ayton until about halfway through the season. And even at that point, he's limited on to where he can go because of his new giant salary. This just doesn't seem like a great situation for Chris Paul. He had 10.8 assists last year, which led the league and was a high for him since all the way back to his fourth year in the league when he had 11 assists. So it was a great season, but it has to stop working at some point. He's going, he's turning age 37 next year. He's a small guard. This is going to happen. And again, if the Suns learned anything from last year, it's that they need to be more resourceful and proactive with resting, especially Chris Paul. If the end goal is championship, which it should be for the Phoenix Suns next season, they can't, they can't, they can't play him more than 62 games in the regular season. It's just logical at this point. I'm not rooting for players to rest, but it makes sense. Chris Paul will not be higher rated by the end of the season than Garland, Halliburton, CJ, and Cade. They just, it just can't. That can't exist. His assists have gone up, but his points have steadily decreased over the last five years. And his efficiency also gets lower. I, I don't see this ranking. He shot almost 10 percentage points worse from the free throw line from the 21 season to the 22 season. Chris Paul is getting old. He was an extremely great player for this long. But going into age 37, this is not going to work out. There are players who are younger and better than him that you should select above Chris Paul. Another somewhat aging point guard, we got Damian Lillard. Coming off of some ab surgery and essentially almost a full season of rest. He only played 29 games last year. When he did play, he averaged 24 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and only 40% from the field and 32% from 3. So the injury that he finally got surgery on during the season was clearly affecting him right every other season before this from three-point range it was 39 percent, 40 percent, 36 36 37 32 is the worst he'd done his entire career now is that a symptom of his team being the weakest it's been for his entire career they lost cj mccollum or traded him are 
Simons and Nurkic enough to attract the attention away from Damian Lillard? I don't think so, especially if Simons is used mostly in a backup point guard role. Yes, he should start, but he wants to play like Dame. He's not Clay Thompson sprinting around off-ball screens. Damian Lillard will have the attention of everyone. He will be 32 years old last, next season, and he is ranked 14th right now. If you select him ahead of Mitchell or John Morant, which is recommended right now by this website, that's crazy to me because Damian Lillard is coming off this injury. He relied on ex- on his explosive drives in order to lift that field goal percentage up because of his massive volumes of threes. He took nine threes per game last year, 10 the year before, 10 the year before that. If he's lost his ability to drive, and if there isn't enough spacing around the Trailblazers... I don't see how he can do much better next season. Now, he'll get you your points, but I think the assists will take a giant dip. And the field goal percentage could stay the same, around that 40%. Especially if Nurkic isn't healthy, and they quickly realize, man, we might need to tank again. Because the Clippers are back, the Nuggets are back, and in theory, LeBron will be more healthy and can hope the Lakers are back. Zion will be back. My point is, there's just a lot of teams in the West that could even push the Trailblazers pretty quickly out of even playing contention, which would lead to a logical tanking season. And I will root for Damian Lillard to stay on the Trailblazers as long as the fans want him and as long as he wants to be there. And I think both of those things are still true. So that being said, I don't see a trade happening for Damian Lillard next season. What I would think would be more likely is if they start losing quickly and one other rotation player gets injured for that Trailblazers team, I could see another Damian Lillard long rest season and another tank job by the Portland Trailblazers. Please, people of this earth. Do not select Damian Lillard at 14th. I'm rooting to be wrong because I love Damian Lillard. I love a guy who wants to stay with the franchise when that franchise has supported that player. It seems like a very positive relationship between the both of them. I should say the franchise has tried to support that player. They are trying to spend money and have tried, but hasn't 100% worked out. But Dame likes it there. He likes to be the big man on campus. And it's fun. Those late West Coast NBA games got... Damian Lillard on the Trailblazers, jacking up threes from 35 feet. So I hope I'm wrong. Hope he's great. But I just don't see it. And I would much rather take a risk on uh, Mitchell, who is trying to increase his value, who has not proven as much as Damian Lillard. I just, I can't see Dame being in the top half of a second round of a fantasy basketball draft next year. This next one, this isn't like a cool, sexy pick. But Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon at 66, I just think it's way too high. I mean, he's a backup guard. He can, Again, a trend here. 
He can't stay healthy at all. And let me say this again. He is a backup point guard. He might not even be the main backup guard. They still got Peyton Pritchard, and they still got Derek White. If the Celtics, Brogdon's almost, uh, I know you're paying him like 20 mil a year, but if he shows any risk of re-aggravating any of the multiple injuries he la- had last year, last year, which led him to only playing 36 games, then you're going to arrest that guy. He's a breaking case emergency for the playoffs. You want to save this guy, have multiple guard options. If you need to go small, you go Marcus Smart, Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams or Al Horford. He could fit into a small ball lineup. There's no way this guy is starting. They're going to ease him into the system. But even if like this works out great and he is a six-man-of-the-year candidate, which is a best-case scenario for Malcolm Brogdon, first year of his career, 75 games. Only started 28. Second year of his career, 48 games. Only started 20. Last year in Milwaukee, he played 64. And then they were like, we're okay if you leave. Everyone was shocked by that. But I like to trust the teams who have the player. They know more than we do. They see that guy every day. They know something if they're just going to let him walk. Next year, 54 games. Year after that, 56. Last year, 36. He's not a reliable basketball player. And I think especially on those Pacers in these last couple of years, any stats he has put up around five and five rebounds and assists with a little less than 20 points is his career average. That's all come from high usage situations. And he is not going to have that at all. He's not a great shooter. Whatever he is like mega ball dominant first year with the Pacers, 32%. This most recent year, 31%. When he is off ball, you know, 40% first year with the Bucks, 38% second year with the Bucks. He can be better, but if we're hoping that he is like the dominant guard on the second unit of the Celtics, I think the numbers will be closer to that 32-31 than when he's running around off screens away from Giannis and Chris Middleton. Brogdon is 66. There's probably be 76. That's my prediction or further down the line. I just think the Celtics are going to be extremely cautious with Malcolm Brogdon, and he could be and will be a lot more just actually basketball uh, valuable than fantasy basketball valuable. Here we go. The last one. Who is it going to be? It's someone who is projected eighth and has stayed in the top 10 of fantasy rankings for categories, points, Basically, any way you play, it's Carl Anthony Towns. Shock and awe. I think we could be heading toward Carl Anthony Towns' best basketball season and worst fantasy basketball season. There's just no way that he averages around his 10 rebounds per game with Rudy Gobert playing next to him. Rudy has been the league leader in rebounds multiple times in his career. And if Carl Anthony Towns is on the perimeter more, which is clearly what he wants, he's just not going to have to work for those. He's a skilled player, and I think Carl Anthony Towns wants to show off that skill. Last year, he averaged 24 points per game. 
9.3 rebounds and 3.6 assists. One block a game. No way he gets a blocky game. If he's out guarding perimeter players now, 0% chance. Lock it down that he averages a block a game. There's just no way. Also going against Cat's success is the rise of Anthony Edwards. Everyone thinks this guy is going to be fantastic and be the real superstar on the team. So you can see points going down from that. D'Angelo Russell, unless he is off the team, he continues to take possessions away. And he's going to be responsible for any kind of Rudy Gobert scoring that's happening. You want to make the new guy feel part of the team. They, the, the Timberwolves are in on this season for success. Everyone will have to make sacrifices to contribute to, the, to that success. And Carl Anthony Towns has put up stats and stats and stats and stats and stats for his entire career. And I think, the, I think this season, he's okay with taking a step back, becoming more of a shooter. But in the eighth spot, too high. Crownley Towns is a second-round player this year because of everyone on that squad is going to be taking sacrifices. I'm down on all of the Timberwolves players, except for Rudy Gobert, who's ranked 28th. I think if you're going for blocks and rebounds in your category's build, I might, personally, take Rudy Gobert ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if you don't care about blocks and you don't care about rebounds and you need a big man to shoot some threes efficiently, Carl Anthony Towns is your guy. This might be his most efficient season. That's saying a lot. Last year, <laughs> on five threes a game, he shot 41% from three. I don't think that's going to go any higher percentage-wise because I think his percentage of shots from three will increase as Rudy Gobert is just going to be lumbering as he does <laughs> in the paint. So those are my top five followers, folks. Anthony Davis at 11, CP3 at 29, Damian Lillard at 14, Malcolm Brogdon at 66, and Carl Anthony Towns at eight. All those guys will fall 10 spots or more, 10 spots at least, into a full other round of basketball drafts. And overall, I think the message with those guys is they're all leaving their prime, except for Carl Anthony Towns, who has someone who is just going to ex absorb a lot of his value with Rudy Gobert. Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, Carnathy Towns, Dame can all be good values, but please don't reach for them because of the name value and the past success that you've seen with these players. After this more positive note, we're going to go to the risers, the top five risers, the guys that are too low. You can get a value at the pick right now, but first enjoy some lovely music provided by our very own Will Adams. Here we go. Top five risers. We got three point guards on this list, and we'll start with the lowest ranked of them, and that's Darius Garland at 35. 
He led the Cavs last season as their really only true ball handler they had on the squad. Colin Sexton is reportedly not happy with the contract offer the Cavs made him, but no one else has made an offer that has been come public. So I don't know if he'll still be on that team. And if he is, I could definitely see him being in a backup role based on the money the Cavs did offer him. But Darius Garland, positivity, last season, 21 points per game, 8.6 assists. I don't know who's munching into those at all. Three rebounds, a steal, a game. Look at that. 38% from three on almost seven threes a game, 46% from the field. Lots of just great numbers. 89% from the free throw line. It's only his third year. He's going to be 23 years old next year. Darius Garland? I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but even just for the ceiling aspect, I'm picking him over Chris Paul. And even if they were two guys who are the same age, I still may like, I do like Darius Garland's situation more than Chris Paul. There's no one else. Garland doesn't have a booker next to him. He's got Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, who are just like assist finishing machines. Mobley's going to get better. Allen had some injuries, but nothing serious. I mean, it was a broken finger. He probably would have been playing if that was, if that team had more healthy players and really could have made a run last year. I just love Darius Garland. I love the way he plays. An old school point guard style that can get you a ton of assists. I don't know why he's at 35. I really don't. I think he could. There's just no reason there's no one taking anything from him in that starting lineup. I'm really high on Darius Garland. That's why he's going to rise at least up into that third round. I couldn't imagine passing on him at that point. Darius Garland, he's my... All right, Darius Garland, you might be the first my guy of the pod. I like this guy a lot, rooting for the Cavs. Next, another Central Division point guard. Tyrese Halliburton, right above Garland at 31. When I look at this guy, it's a perfect fantasy situation. The only thing I would worry about is like tanking, where toward the end of the season, Halliburton begins to get certain ailments suddenly, like a aching knee and he missed a couple games but for the majority of the season again even more than garland he's got no one taking anything from him in terms of production tyrese halliburton will be like dejounte murray was last year when he was on the spurs go spurs go murray currently is ranked 27th but He's playing next to Trey Young. Tyrese Halliburton is the Trey Young of the Pacers. He's even the Clint Capella of the Pacers. He's the everything of the Pacers. Especially if that aforementioned Pacers-Lakers trade goes through and the Pacers do trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for Westbrook. Westbrook does not play. They just sit him down like the Rockets did with John Wall. And now Heald's not taking any shots. Turner's not taking any shots. So uh, maybe 
a small assist by a small assist dip by Halliburton, but then his points and rebounds will rise. And again, he's the only guy with the ball. Halliburton has to be higher than 31. Don't make no sense, folks. It don't make no sense. And then the last guy, another Eastern Conference point guard. LaMelo Ball, they put some respect on him. They put him at 16. But LaMelo Ball is so young. And last year, he averaged 20 points per game, 7 assists, and 7 rebounds. 38% from 3, 42% from the field, 87% from the free throw line. He's going to be 21. Currently, he's 20. He actively cannot consume liquor legally. And yet, he's ranked 16 with the Hornets. Again, another situation. He's the guy. Like, there's no other player who's going to absorb anything away from LaMelo Ball. Any bit that Gordon Hayward would absorb from LaMelo Ball that value will return to ball as Hayward is inevitably injured. The Hornets want to succeed. They will not be tanking. They maybe should be tanking to get a guy next to ball, but they won't be. They have young centers on their squad. They won't be able to play defense. LaMelo Ball certainly isn't playing defense. They're going to be getting up and down the court. And... Every stat of his last year increased from the year before. He played 75 games last year. He's just, he's getting into the top 10, certainly. I really think that he could be one of the best players in fantasy basketball next year. He's in the true perfect situation because his team isn't going to tank like Tyrese Halliburton. And he's just also more talented. LaMelo Ball is just a more talented basketball player than Tyrese Halliburton. His team is slightly better, so they can support him, but nothing is going to get taken away from him. I'm extremely, extremely high on LaMelo Ball. And depending on the breakdown of any draft, I would pick him as high as sixth, is what I'm saying here. Just love his energy. And he's an A+. A++ fantasy basketball player. So those are our three guards that I would definitely be looking for. Darius Garland, Tyrese Halliburton, LMLO Ball. These guys are extremely young players, have great fantasy opportunity ahead of them, and I would definitely be looking to pick up the assists from any of those players as that's one of my favorite stats to grab in categories. Now, Let's go to the big guys. Some big boys. One of my faves. Had him on my team last year. Jonas Valanciunas. The New Orleans Pelicans center. He is ranked 51. He finished last season in the top 20. And now everyone's saying Zion Williamson will return and take all the value away from Jonas. I disagree! I disagree. 17 points per game last year, 11 rebounds, 36% from three, 54% from the field. I mean, 
when he played with John Morant on Memphis the year before, extremely similar stats. I know he has Brandon Ingram. I know CJ McCollum is there. But Jonas Valanciunas, again, great fantasy basketball player in the way that he doesn't like to pass the ball. If he got an offensive rebound, he's going to be the one to shoot that shot. And he is a skilled big man. A lot of teams are taken aback when met by a post move. And Jonas Valanciunas has a few of them. He plays a ton of games, 74 games last year, 30 minutes a game. They still need someone who can play center because Zion does not want to play center and probably should not as his weakness is rim protection and defense at this point. And also, I'm not sure he's going to play this time last year. We thought Zion might miss maybe like the first couple games of the season based on what the Pelicans were telling us. So I don't know if he's playing. Who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. He could re-injure something completely different. But even when Zion does play, Jonas Valanciunas at 51, he's going to be playing next to Zion, especially because he can shoot from three. It creates a space Zion and Ingram need to drive to the basket. He's a great guy. And even if he's like they, he's the first guy back on the bench from the starting lineup, that means he's going to be out there with bench units destroying backup big men. I'm very high on Jonas Valanciunas, especially high if he's ranked 51. I think he's a great center because he doesn't do anything that hurts you. There's no part of his game. There's nothing that I really want from him maybe slightly higher in blocks he was only averaging 0.8 last year it started higher then it began to decrease and went back to his normal production which is around one he's had some seasons above one and some just just below Jonas at 51 pick him up folks this guy's gonna be rising to the top I think he could even start to go lower and lower in drafts as we get closer to the beginning of the season if Zion seems like he is definitely going to play. But his value, I do not think, is Zion-dependent because Jonas, he's going to put up his shots. He's going to get those rebounds. He's a big guy, and he'll find a way. Life finds a way. Jonas Valanciunas getting to 17 and 10 also finds a way. Our last guy on this list, I was very surprised to have the thoughts that I did about this person. He's an NBA champion, a multiple-time NBA champion. It's Draymond Green. Draymond Green is ranked 68 in this list. Last year, he had a perfect 7-7-7. Seven, seven, and seven. seven points, seven rebounds, seven assists. He only played 46 games. Little injury prone there but at 68 the upside of Draymond Green is you have to be ready for it like you have to be willing to take that chance at a higher spot for him because when Curry and Clay and Draymond play a little rhyme there <laughs> the offense clicks and Draymond Green as everyone says is the real point guard on the Warriors which kind of is true he usually leads that team in assists. Seven last year was down from the year before at almost nine. I think Draymond, especially trying to get this new contract from the Warriors, will come back, be ready to play. Because yes, they were extremely successful in the playoffs, won the finals. 
But the first game that Clay, Steph, and Draymond played through the full game, all healthy together, was game one of the playoffs. And it, like, Steph was even kind of injured then. So it was really later than that. That point being is they haven't had a full regular season together in almost three or four years now, going all the way back to 2019, the 2018-19 season. I think they're going to want to play. I think they're going to want to play hard. And I could see the Warriors getting the one seed. And I could see that being led by a resurgent Draymond Green season. Those are our top five risers. We got Halliburton at 31, Garland at 35, Lamelo at 16, Jonas at 51, and Draymond at 68. If those guys are still available at that spots, hit that draft button, folks. They're just efficient players all around, can get you extra stats, and there's value in these picks. Man, that was fun. Haven't talked fantasy basketball in a while, folks. Hopefully you're enjoying it as much as I am. After this, we will come back, wrap up the pod with my favorite segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, listeners, we are back for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the NBA offseason. We'll start with the good, positive note. Maybe not for Mavs fans, but definitely for Luka Doncic dynasty fantasy owners or anyone who will be drafting him in this upcoming season. No one's taking the ball from Luka. Jalen Brunson, gone. A small addition of Christian Wood, who will be just waiting in the corner to get a bullet pass from Luka to boost those assist numbers for him. There's no number two. In Dallas, Luka Doncic is looking lean this offseason, and I think he's going to be ready to play. And that's that's just good for Luka. Again, not great for the Mavs. They would love a number two, but Luka is number one in Dallas and will remain so for the foreseeable future and could be a great first overall pick. For the bad, I'm a Spurs fan, folks. I was really sad to see DeJounte Murray go, but as a fantasy basketball fan as well, I'm sad to see a team anchor disappear as he now goes to the Hawks. He had a career season stat-wise last year, and that's just going to, it's going to have to dissipate. I mean, he's just on a real team, folks. You look at the Spurs last year, we had him, Kelda Johnson, Devin, Yaka Pertle. Some of you are thinking, who are some of those people that I've just named, right? Extremely young players. And, you know, if Clint Capella is fighting for a contract and John Collins is constantly fighting for just like people to appreciate his value, they're not giving up boards easily to Murray. And when they do on the outlet, they're not passing it to Murray. They're passing it to Trey Young. I think I'm worried about the basketball fit for that situation on the Hawks, but I'm also worried for the fantasy fit. I don't know if Murray has enough. It's just going to have the ball enough to get the stats. I know everyone says that Trey Young will be willing to give up the ball, but if they're six and six, you know, a few weeks into the season, and Young has been sharing it, 
he's going to say, we're going back to my way. And that's just the way he's been allowed to play since high school. He was the number one guy there, number one guy at Oklahoma. And he's been the number one guy for the Hawks. And he has seen success at points with that system last year, not so much. But now they've reconfigured their team and hope Murray can be this adi- uh, this really positive addition. But I don't think fantasy-wise that's going to be good for Murray. And that's why it's the bad. Small bad. I also feel like we're losing Will Barton as a fantasy viable player. As now he's on the Wizards. And a lot of his value was just Jokic being the best passer in the league. And setting him up on outlets perfectly. But now Barton is on the Wizards. And they are not going to run. Because Bradley Beal is going to pound the ball into the court. Until he gets to 30 points per game. And the ugly, folks. This one is super ugly. Has not gotten a ton of coverage. But Miles Bridges is under investigation. I believe has been charged uh, with domestic violence. So he's still ranked on these fantasy pros. Do not draft him, please. I mean, this is just not clearly if what is being said is true like this is a not good person he had a pretty rocky offseason already with some questionable (laughs) in their legality instagram posts and snapchat posts if miles bridges did what was charged of him and what he's being accused of then he should not play basketball in the nba period it's about as ugly as it's gonna get folks that segment usually is a lot lighter but, oh, Miles, uh-uh, you are certainly the ugly of this NBA offseason. What a pot. Again, really missed doing the fantasy basketball pods. These will be coming out every Monday. We have lots of great topics to talk about for the fantasy NBA preview. If anything sudden pops up, like Donovan Mitchell perhaps being traded to the Knicks, or if any Kevin Durant thing happens, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, we will be there, ready to strike. Thank you again for listening. If you somehow missed our first episode on Friday, the Dimes Top 30 preview, check it out. We got the top 30 guys in the NBA ranked, debated, discussed, dropped, fallen, rising. It's all over the place. Thank you for listening. See you next time.